lowering interest lowering rates. Lowering interest rates. Cannot stop. Cannot stop. The sharp drop in economic activity caused by closures and other forms of social distancing. When the world changes, know what to do. This, this is, is Money Talks. All right, we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Justin Wagner. And uh, all right, well, let's uh, get to some financial discussion. We've got a, a situation we wanted to talk about this week. Uh, Henry and Amy uh, in their mid-50s um, both have kids by previous marriages, but uh, they, were, they were married later in life, and both have come into the marriage with a majority of their retirement funds in their respective 401ks. Not a real uncommon occurrence, right? This is, uh, uh, Casey, you probably could elaborate, but, uh, you know, they've got retirement about 10 years away uh, for Amy, and um, they're getting a little more worried about the risk that they're taking in their plans. So uh, when they were younger, they kept putting money in the 401ks, sticking with the broad market funds. As they got older, they dabbled in target date funds. But in the past few years, uh, with a long bull market, it was hard to make a poor decision. Uh, anything you bought seemed to go yeah. up, right? Uh, now that retirement is around the corner, they're really looking at how long uh, can the market keep moving up. I think that's a question a lot of folks are asking themselves this yep. day. Uh, are they taking too much risk? There is such animal as that. Uh, and then these accounts are their primary retirement fund. Sounds like it's uh, everything uh, with a 401k being, uh, you know, their their biggest asset. And uh, should they keep looking at it at a Roth option if it's available? And and that if is one that, Justin, you probably run into quite a bit. Um, yes. Yeah. With That's folks. one of my most common questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, why don't we start? I think this is a good point because most people we see – the largest asset outside of their home is often their retirement plan. Right. Right. So I'd say that Henry and Amy are not that much different than most people we see. Majority of their wealth is tied up in the 401k. Right. Yeah. Now, um, you know, once you get to 10 years or, or wherever that number is, close to retirement, so many people make the mistake. They think, all right, I need to get really aggressive with my investments to try and make up for maybe lost time or missed savings. I got to ramp this up. Well, the government does allow you to save more money. They allow you to save more, correct, which is important. Right. Now, for 2020 and now for 2021, the limits are unchanged. If you're under the age of 50, you can save 19500 If you're over 50, you're allowed what's called a catch-up contribution, which can take your total contributions to 26 Okay? Right. Now, if you make enough money or have enough to be able to max it out, please do so. But... What I see a lot of people do as they get closer is they get too aggressive with their investments right. and not aggressive enough with their saving. Right. Yeah. So instead of trying to make up for lost time or save more money, instead of trying to just save as much as they can to get to the max, they may get too aggressive and pick a small cap fund or a national fund, and then they get burned. Do yeah. you see any of that, Casey? Yeah, I do. And I think that um, you know you make a, a great point. The, the savings in anything the investments can only do so much for you you know and uh, more important than trying to juice your returns is to save as much as you can that's right. where you're, you're going to get plus if you get a if you get an employer match or, or a profit sharing contribution i mean mm -hmm. that's that's free money so you might as well take that's advantage just of that. on top right right so, on top you know the the other thing kind of that i see a lot of times is when there's a situation like this it's, it's 
you know, a lot of this money is probably pre-tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mentioned the Roth in here. If that's an option available to them, they may want to consider putting saving some of that money to a Roth just to diversify. You know, we talk about diversification all the time with the investments, but it's also important to diversify your tax location and make sure that you've got, you know, some some pre-tax money, some Roth money. I mean, let's face it, interest or tax rates are as low as they've been in a while. Yep. Probably not going lower. I don't know that they'll go higher. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But if tax rates are going to be higher in the future, then that Roth does do you some good today Mm -hmm. to to put it in. You know, go ahead and pay the tax now. Get it in. Get it growing tax free, so that when you go to pull it out, you're not having to pay as you know tax on that. I'm 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 really glad that you brought that up because this is something that we talk about a lot: is the pre-tax versus the Roth. And you know, as I'll tell people here on air, I I don't want to oversimplify it, but based on what you're making now. If you think you'll be in a higher bracket or making more in retirement, you don't want your money taxed then, yeah. right? You want to tax now. So the Roth would likely be the best bet, yeah. right? And if you say, hey, I'm making enough money now that I'll likely be in a lower bracket or making less money in retirement, I'd rather pay taxes on my money then. So yeah. pre-tax right. is, is the best route. Now, exactly. there are ways you can do both within your sure. plan. If you're not sure, you know, you can save if your plan does offer a Roth component, and a lot don't. Yeah. So if you are in a plan that doesn't offer a Roth, you should really try and plead with the plan sponsor. So whomever you work for, say, hey, we really need a Roth option in my plan, in, in our plan, because that can be a big benefit. Yeah, and you see that more often than you would think, right? Oh my goodness. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's good to have some diversification there. Um, even even taxable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- that's another important thing too. I mean, especially if you're if you're planning to retire before you know, 55 or 59 and a half, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, where the money is, uh, you could pay a penalty when you go to take this money out. So if you don't have another bucket to pull from an after-tax bucket to save, so it's good to save in an after-tax account as well, because it, you know, you ideally want to let the money in the retirement account grow tax deferred or tax free as long as you can. That's when you'll get the most benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you mentioned earlier, Justin, about, you know, not knowing, a lot of people say, how am I going to be in a higher tax bracket when I'm retired? Because I'm not working anymore. I don't have any more income. Well, your investments actually can cause you to have income. That's exactly right. And so, you know, that pre-tax money at 72 now, it used to be 70 and a half. Now at 72, you have to start taking mandatory withdrawals from your 401k, IRA, you know, whatever, your pre-tax dollars so that the government can get their tax money. You know, especially for a lot of our younger listeners on the phone. Yeah. I mean, if you're in your 20s and 30s when you're, when you're making less than you likely will when you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, this is the time to save that Roth money because you're going to, you're in the lowest bracket right now yeah. that you will likely ever be in. And if you save, you think about it, if you make 40000 a year, you save from 25 to 65. Yeah. All right, and you assume 8% on that money, that's over a million and a half dollars by the time you retire. Right. So that's that's a big deal. Yeah, um, the the uh, magic of compounding oh, crazy. Uh, is is on your side. The younger you are, the faster you start, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. yeah. So saving anything, I mean, even the, Henry and Amy are only ten years away from retirement or so. But uh, you know, the younger you are, the even if you can save a thousand dollars a year, every little hundred dollars a month, whatever, yep. every little bit is gonna is gonna be compounded. And that's huge. Guys, uh, we were. Talking about 401k, uh, got a couple who are nearing retirement, a little bit concerned about uh, the risk being taken 
in their portfolio. Justin, you've made the point that uh, you often see people trying to stretch a little bit, get a little riskier at the end of their uh um, work career, trying to make sure that they have saved enough. Not really the plan. That's that's not a good idea. Although saving more would be an absolutely awesome idea, right? Correct. Yeah, so yep. put more to work. And if you're young and you think, oh, well, this is just a bunch of old people talking about stodgy things to do. Well, first of all, you guys aren't old. I'll take it myself. I'm a little old. Uh, a little, just a little. Um, <clears throat> but the, the fact is... Um, if you start saving while you're young, you will be Compound. so much far farther ahead uh, late in life, uh, especially for retirement. You're you're gonna uh, really appreciate the fact that you had done that. Well, you know, it comes back to the, to the rule of 72. We talk about this a lot, but if you start saving in your 20s, and by the time you get to 50, if you have a couple hundred thousand dollars saved up. If you get a 7% return annualized for 10 years, your money doubles every 10 years, right? Yeah. So by the time you go from 50 to 60, 60 to 70, you know, you get two doubles in there. Yeah. And that can really make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. absolutely huge. Yeah, no doubt. Well, guys, um, in in uh, looking at this, um, there's quite a few questions that come up. First of all, how do you invest? I mean, within your within your portfolio, Justin, you already told us, don't take a bunch of risk when you're older. But, you know, as you go along, probably the most popular thing these days is a target date fund. That's right. Is that really the best way to do it? It seems like the easiest way. I mean, if you don't have a lot of knowledge. It, it is definitely the easiest way. And, you know, so many people who get involved in 401ks have know nothing about investing. And right. that's why I think target dates make a lot of sense for most people, especially when they're younger, because it gets them invested. Right. It gets them saving and they don't have to worry and, and stress out about their investments. Right. It takes care of it for them. Yeah. So that makes sense. But once you really start to get to that five to 10 years from retirement, that's when you really need to start thinking about, you know, honing in your, your asset allocation. Right. And a lot of these target date funds, they're not all created equal. Right. Some of them have more bonds. Some of them have more equities. I've seen a lot of funds lately that have up to 30 to 40 percent international exposure in equities. Yeah. Which is yeah. huge. Yeah. And that doesn't really jive with our recommendation to clients. So we have to be careful when we're making recommendations on these target date funds that it makes sense for the client. Yeah. Right. I think right. that's the important thing is to you really look at your specific situation because a target date fund is a sort of one size fits all type of, of investment, which may or may not apply to your specific situation. If, if you are someone who's, you know, 10 years from retirement, you know, we, our philosophy as everyone who's probably listening to this show knows the 10 year rule, any money that you need in the next 10 years from your investment portfolio, you should have in bonds, fixed income, things that are paying a fixed rate of, of return to you. Um, lower volatility, low volatility, yeah. not subjected to the, the ups and downs of the stock market, but anything you don't need in the next 10 years probably should be in the stock market. That's where you're going to get your return over a long period of time. Right. So most of it's going to come from from equities. Well, the target date funds, you know, they, they're all over the board, as Justin has already mentioned. You might be in a, a 2050 target date fund, and some of them are, you know, 60% in, in stocks, and some of them are maybe 80% in stocks, and there's just – they're all different, so you really have to know what you need. Um, but, you know, we also have to look at your cash flow and in retirement, and that's where the planning comes in because, you know, maybe you've got a pension and maybe you're, you don't spend much. Maybe Social Security covers the majority of what you need to spend – 
And that allows you to be more aggressive with your investment allocation because you don't need as much of the money in the next 10 years. So you could be a little bit more aggressive than what the target date fund is going to, to put you in. Uh, or the flip side, maybe you need more than the target, target That's a fund perfect has. example because, I mean, we have clients, I know that we've we've referred to over to P&I that are getting very close to retirement. They're in a target date fund that's 50% equities and 50% bonds. Right. But they have so much money outside the plan that they don't need any exposure, quite frankly, to the right. bonds. They need because they don't need the money. Right. So if they don't need the money, we recommend primarily equity exposure. So that's a perfect example where a target date fund does not make sense for that person. Right. But a lot of people in 401ks, and this is where I got to make sure I plug this in, if it weren't for target date funds, they'd be in cash. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely so, it's better than cash, no doubt. Yeah. And, and I think it the is. The balanced you know, option used to be the default in most 401k right. plans. Now yeah. it is a, a target most, date. Most QDIAs, for, for those listening, a QDIA is your qualified default investment alternative within your plan. So that's something the Department of Labor mandates that if you go in and don't pick any fund, you're going to be defaulted into X fund. So most plans that we work with, we make the default fund, the target date series, because that is the most proper default option at this time. Right. Yeah. And and like we said, it's something that is, if you don't know much about investing or don't want to fool with it and have to go in and, and adjust your allocation periodically, then it's a, it's a fine option. But if you really want to kind of fine-tune things and optimize for your specific situation, then there may be alternatives, and, and that's where you kind of look at your planning, your cash flow, where, where, where do you need the money to come from and when. Yeah, it's a and great point. Uh, how do you determine how much you need to save and how much you should be saving on a on a regular and week to week basis? That's the other right? question, right? Is how much do you save? And because you know maybe you can't afford to max out your plan every year, or maybe you could max it out, but you want to have a little bit of. You know, we talked about the diversification earlier and having a little bit of money in an after tax savings or after tax investment account as well as your 401k. So there's, it all depends on your situation and, and you know, what you can afford cash flow Most people wise. can't afford to max out a 401k. Right. And, and that's why we always try to use that 10 to 15% number. You know, if you're in a plan and you really want to get to a number that feels good for you and is actually going to hit what we call for retirement outcomes or income replacement. Right. So replacing around 80% of your income, we found 10 to 15% of your income saved over time can get you to that 80% income replacement number. Over a long Over a long period of time. That's correct. You know, if you start doing this at 55 and you're going to retire in 10 years, you're that's, gonna that's to not going to work, up. right? Yeah. But if you're looking at 20, 30, 40 years, saving 10 to 15% of your income, and then if you get a match from the company that's just a cherry on top, right. I mean... In, in my, all my years of doing this, no one has ever come and said, gee, Justin, I saved way too much money in my 401k. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that yeah, won't happen. That, that has not happened yet. Right. Yeah. So, so what, what, where did you get the 80% number? Is that because you're trying to you figure Social Security and other income Correct. sources will cover that, the other? That's the exactly balances? right. And, and if you look at it, at the end of the day, it, it's all relative. Whether you're making 50000 you're making 500000 10 to 15% yeah. of your income Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all relative. Right. And at the end of the day, if you are maxing out the 401k and you're putting in the 19.5 or the 26, good for you. You don't have to stop there. Yeah. You can open up a taxable brokerage account and invest that way. Um, but a lot of people will say, well, if I no longer work for this company, can I still contribute to the 401k? The only way you can contri- contribute to 401k is through payroll deduction. That yeah. is it. Right. Yeah. So the answer is no. So no, you yeah. cannot. 
All right. Um, the uh, the other thing that we probably ought to flesh out a little bit is uh, that 80% also assumes that there are some expenses that you have while you're working that, that would disappear. be reduced in right. in retirement, right? And yeah, that's yeah. I, that's where I think you know Casey and his team can come in a lot too with the planning. But by the time you get to retirement, your hope is your home's paid off, you know, kids have moved out, you have a lot of expenses that you had while you were working and accumulating that have disappeared. And that's kind of the the popular belief is that your your expenses go down when you retire, but what what we actually find in reality is for most people, at least our clients, when they retire, they've got time on their hands, they can travel, <laughs> they can do things. So expenses actually go, go up, up for a few years right after retirement. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, you know, Ratchet trickle back off to the, a little bit and, yeah. and tri- trickle back to the norm. But. Yeah. And then you have to assume, too, do you have a pension or not? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. And yeah, Social the, Security the income sources are, are extremely important as well. Yeah, so no doubt. All right. Well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some more finance. I... For one, absolutely cannot wait. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products. 